For those of you who don't know me, my name is Marvin Slayton. I'm one of the overseeing elders. It's just a pleasure to be here and sharing with you um, again this evening. Um, Tonight we are marching on in the series in Ephesians. And last week, if you'll remember, I was in Ephesians 5 and verse 1. In verse 1, it was said, um, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God as dear children. And I said, we don't need to overlook the dear children part. And if you remember, if you were here, if you weren't here, um, I was talking about my five and three-year-old Judah and Isaiah and how six or eight months ago they were turned on to Star Wars. And how ever since they were turned on to Star Wars, their focus, their intent, their purpose, they're completely enthralled with Star Wars. Their sippy cups are Star Wars. Their PJs are Star Wars. You guys remember that from last week. They, were, they are all Star Wars. When we go home tonight, we'll eat dinner, and afterwards, we'll watch Star Wars. Be imitators of God as dear children. The way we imitate God is to be like our children. It is our focus. It is our priority. It is our everything to be completely enthralled, giving him everything we have, just like my boys do to Star Wars. Everything. Be imitators of God as dear children. Funny story. Speaking of my boys. um, So they're five and three. And so... You know, every morning we have breakfast, and, and then after breakfast, before I go to work, uh, I read them uh, a couple of stories from the children's Bible. And so, you know, there's some stories uh, that they like more than others, and, but over the past year, we've been able to read through it uh, at least half a dozen times. Really cool thing. Uh, but there are some stories that stick out more than, it, than the other, and one of them is um, the story of the young man who gave his five loaves and two fish to Jesus Jesus broke bread, and he distributed it, and it fed thousands and thousands of people. It was a miraculous story. We're all familiar with the story. So the other night, we had dinner, and after dinner, um, we had cookies as a treat, and Judah, my oldest, he stands up on his chair at the table, and he holds his cookie up, and he says, Daddy, Daddy. It's like, yeah, what is it, Judah? And he breaks his cookie, and he's got a big smile on his face, and he says, it's a miracle. It's a miracle, Daddy. I said, yes, sir, it is a miracle, buddy. He's got that story down. Let me tell you guys, if you have little children, man, get a a good children's Bible. Start to whet their appetite with the Word of God. Even at a young age, we can already tell how it's transforming their lives. Uh, Please do that. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Just for a quick review, last week I gave you three ways to godliness in your life. The first one was living a lifestyle to give and not to get. The second one was waging war, W-A-R, which is an acronym against sexual morality and perversion in your life. War, the W, was uh, washed with the word. Um, It talks about in Romans 13, 14, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not let your mind think of ways to indulge your evil desires. So that was the W. The A is accountability, to have accountability in your life, to have consistent, to have healthy accountability in your life that comes out of James 5 and 16, confess your sins one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. Amen? So accountability in the R part of that was running. Everybody say running. Running or fleeing, as the Bible says, from all forms of sexual perversion and sexual immorality. That was the war, the W-A-R. That was the second one last week. And then lastly was embracing your father's inheritance 
not the world's disobedience. Embrace your father's inheritance, not the world's disobedience. And we learned how uh, the importance of living a life fitting of being the legacy, that we are heirs, that we are his sons and daughters, not sons and daughters of disobedience, but sons and daughters of the living God. Amen? Amen. So that was a quick recap. So tonight what I want to do is if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter five and we'll start in verse eight. And as you're turning there, I just want to say a prayer for us this evening. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. God, we are here for you. Lord, personally, we are for you, Jesus. This church, Soma, this community, we are for you, Jesus. What we want tonight is for your word to speak to us, God. Not me, God. It's not with the wise and persuasive words of man. It's with the powerful, the power and authority of your words, of your truths. May your truths dispel the lies of the enemy in our life tonight. We ask that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Tonight, what I want to do is carrying on. I want to give you three more ways to godliness in your life. And the first one is this, walk in who you are, not who you were. Walk in who you are, not who you were. Ephesians 5, 8, if you'll start reading there with me, it says this, for you were, everybody say were, were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk in as children of the light. When I was born again, I went from the old Marvin to the new Marvin. My focus, priorities, intentions, aims in life, they all changed. But now you and I both know that we didn't wake up the next morning and all of the issues, all the struggles, all the vices, they didn't magically disappear, did they? They did not magically disappear, unfortunately. That's because salvation is the starting line. Watchman Nee says this, we are not sinners because we sin, we sin because we are born sinners. The blood forgives us, but doesn't change us. Being crucified with Christ is what transforms us from sinners into sons. The blood is the salvation. The picking up your cross every day and carrying it is the sanctification of your life. And there's a big difference. Both have to happen, okay? Powerful words there from Watchman Nee. This is a daily process in our life. It's daily transformation. You don't get to skip ahead. There's no fast forward button. There's no fast lane. There's no loop around it or bypass. There's no VIP or get out of jail card. It's not first class flying. It's all economy seating. It's pure, old-fashioned, daily grind, character building, and it's the most wonderful ride of your life. I'm talking about not being who you were, but who you are today. Not living out who you were, but who you are. When I, when I was 19 is when I really surrendered my life over to the Lord. Um, up until that point, I'd been raised in church. I'd had encounters with God, um, but I wasn't, I didn't really truly give him lordship over my life and start to follow him until I was 19. So from 19 up until 29, uh, before I met my beautiful bride, Andrea, um, I dated two different girls, okay? Two different girls in 10 years. I'm going to tell you this. I was an awful, awful steward of those relationships, I was an awful steward of the relationships. I was a complete bonehead. I made willful, sinful decisions inside of those relationships. 
I was a horrible leader of those two relationships. And guys, that wasn't when I was 19. That was when I was 24 and 25 and 27 and 28. I had been walking with the Lord for some time. I had been through discipleship school. I had been through Bible college, you know, staff at church. Man, my aim, my focus, my intent, my passion was Jesus. Most of the areas in my life were going really, really good. But I was still making boneheaded decisions. I wasn't living like who I am now. I was living like who I was. Like who I was. And then finally, through God's grace and mercy, a light bulb came on. I figured it out. I don't know what happened. But then Andrea walked into my life. Greatest day of my life. And I'm here on this platform, standing here to tell you this. Through getting to know her, through walking out of dating and then engagement all the way up to when we got married. The whole time, albeit it wasn't a long time, but the whole time we walked out our relationship with the utmost impurity, purity, character, and integrity. We walked into our marriage with no baggage, nothing hanging over our heads, completely pure completely pure. I began to walk in who I was and not who I am and not who I was. I had to stop walking as the old Marvin and start walking as the new Marvin. Look at me. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9. And we're going to go through 14 here. It says this, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Guys, there's three ways... Interpreting from the scripture we just read, there's three ways the Lord leads us to walk in this new life with Jesus. Three ways. This is what you should do. This is what you should not do. And don't fall asleep while you're doing it. This is what you should do. This is what you should not do. Don't fall asleep while you're doing it. Guys, that's what I want to hone in on a little bit more is the falling asleep part. Do you know when you fall asleep? Let me tell you, This is when you fall asleep in your walk with the Lord. When you start trying to take back some of your old life. When you you start taking shortcuts. When you start resting in who you are and what you've done and not who he is. When you start believing the lie. When you remain. When you remain. A lot of us know the story of David in here. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, you don't have to turn there, but I want to read this to you. It says this, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbath. But David remained. Everybody say remained. 
David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And we know the rest of the story. The rest of the story is adultery. The rest of the story is cover-up. The rest of the story is murder. A very, very dark time, albeit transformative, dark time in the life of David. All because the man after God's own heart remained. Remained. Guys, God has beautiful things for us in our life, but we're not called to remain. We're not called to live in our past. We're called to grasp and lay hold of the new day. God is gracious and merciful, and he gives us a new day. And each new day provides a wonderful new opportunity. And you know what that opportunity is? To lay hold of him to lay hold of his truth, to lay hold of his purposes, to lay hold of his plans, to lay hold of his freedoms, to lay hold of what he has for us in our life and to not remain. The Bible says clearly his kingdom is advancing. We are to advance with him. We are not to remain. When we remain is when we get in trouble. When we remain is when we start acting like our old self. When we remain is when we do not grow. When we remain is when we are stagnant. And that is not what God has for us. Every day is a beautiful new gift and to walk in who we are now in him. Are you guys following me tonight? To walk in who we are now in him and not who we were. Not in the old Marvin but in the new Marvin. Amen. There's no shortcuts. There's no fast lane. We have to pick up our cross every day. And let me tell you this. If you pick up your cross every day, what you thought you were carrying is actually carrying you. What you thought you were carrying, that cross, it's actually carrying you. We can't remain. Let's live in the now. Let's move forward. Let's go ahead with him. Let's march forward with him. Let's lay hold of every single thing that he has for us in our life. Every gifting, every talent that he's given us, every opportunity, let's lay hold of it. Let's move forward. Let's not be like David and remain. Let's live in who we are and not who we were. The second thing is wisdom from above, not the wisdom of the age. Wisdom from above, not the wisdom of the age. Ephesians 5 and 15, you can look with me there, reading through 17. It says this, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Circumspectly is a word It means being careful to consider the circumstances and consequences. Circumspectly, careful to consider the circumstances and the consequences. Now, 
These days are evil, and the wisdom of the age is derived from the pit of hell itself, literally. The main mantra of Satanism is do as thy will without regard for anyone or anything else. This is wisdom centered completely on self. Ravi Zacharias, a famous apologist, one of my uh, favorite people to listen to, he says, in today's society, looking good and feeling good often trumps doing good and being good. And some people don't know the difference anymore. Whatever makes me feel good and look good has to be good, right? However, I want to interpret the scriptures is okay because it's all relative, right? Let me ask you something. What's it all relative to? Relative to whose moral law? Relative to whose standards? Relative to whose righteousness? Relative to whose sacrifice? Your own? Your friends? Your cultures? Come on, you guys hearing me tonight? Proverbs 14, 14 says this, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. But a good man, everybody say good man. A good man will be satisfied from above. Wisdom from above, not the wisdom of the age. Let me speak clearly here, guys. If you want to find a church and a pastor who teaches that Jesus is not born of a virgin birth, you can find it. If you want to find a church and a pastor that teaches that homosexuality is not a sin, you can find it. If you want to find a church and a pastor that teaches Jesus is not the only way to the Father, you can find it. If you want your actions to be justified by some religious authority, you can find it. But let me tell you this. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Its end is the way of death. Wisdom from above, not the wisdom of the age. Guys, here's the litmus test. With your beliefs, your actions, and words, this is the litmus test. These are the three questions you have to ask yourself to see, man, am I living in wisdom from above, or am I really living in the wisdom of this age, of this culture, the wisdom of self? Here's the three questions. With your beliefs, actions, and words, number one, do they honor Jesus and his word? Do they honor Jesus and his word? Number two, are you willing to be accountable with your beliefs, actions, and words? And number three, do they bring peace and health to your life? Not one of them, not one of three, not two of three, all three of them. Am I living in wisdom from above or wisdom from the age? All three of them, guys. That's the litmus test. That's how you check out that I'm living in wisdom from above. Guys, wisdom, Proverbs says, is calling out on the streets. Anyone who will hear, it's calling out. And you know why? You know why? Because wisdom makes you a better spouse. Wisdom makes you a better father and mother. Wisdom makes you a better coworker. 
Wisdom from above is what gets you raises in life. Amen. Wisdom from above is what creates harmony and peace with your family. Wisdom from above is what connects you with a local church and helps you to thrive. Wisdom from above is what allows you to enable the fruits and gifts of the Spirit in your life. Wisdom from above, not the wisdom of the age. The third thing this evening is what influence are you under? It's a question. What influence are you under? Look with me in verse 18 of chapter 5. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Dissipation is a wasting of resource, a dissolute life, a lacking of restraint marked by indulgence in things. The word tells us that it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. Many or even most of the areas in our lives can be going really good with God, which is awesome. But there are areas, are there areas where we are under the influence of something else other than the Holy Spirit? Areas where we indulge in an unhealthy way, unbiblical ways. For example, Are you wasting financial resources in your life because you're not simply willing to get help and be coached? Is your eating out of control to the point where it is not healthy? Do you lack restraint when it comes to sexual morality, perversion, and pornography? Is there a drug, medication, or drink that is your go-to to medicate you? Does your marriage suffer because you won't tame your tongue and bring it under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a story tonight. Um, and it's a very personal story. I'll be a little vulnerable with you guys. Um, and it's a story about my biological father. Um, and just as a side note, Chris, who is here in this room, is my dad. He's not my biological father, but I love him dearly, so you don't have to look at him sideways. I'm not talking about him in the story. (laughs) Uh, My biological father, his name is Marvin, so that makes me a second. And um, he lived a very, very, very hard and tough upbringing. Um, He was very, very poor. You know, the type of Poe that you can't afford the O and the R. You guys know what I'm saying? We really don't, most of us. He was that kind of poor. Started working from an early age. Had a very, very harsh father who called him and his siblings every name in the book. It was a rough, rough upbringing. When he was 18 and my mom was 15, um, they got married. And they lived together, married for 24 years, and that 24 years was a life lived under the influence of basically anything but the Holy Spirit. I was an alcoholic, womanizer, multiple affairs, and I'm not telling you this to paint him in a bad light or anything like that. He's still alive, and if you're still alive, there's still hope, and if there's still hope, God can still do things in your life. 
And that's true. So I'm not throwing him under the bus here, but water has gone under the bridge. You know what I'm saying? And there's testimonies that have come out of it. So for 24 years, mom lives with him, would never leave him through all of that. Multiple affairs, alcoholism the whole time, would never, ever leave him until she found out that, um, that he was with someone and it wasn't just a fling. It was someone who he was with. And she found out and knew that it was more. And so she gave him an ultimatum. She said, Marvin, she said, if you want this marriage and kids and what we have, then we're here and we want it. We're willing to walk down that road with you. If you don't want that, then I want you to get your things and pack them up. And I want you to be out of here when we come back. And so he chose the woman he was in an affair with. His things were packed up and he left. 24 years of marriage, guys. It was in late summer of 91. In June is when the divorce was final. And in that month, June of 1991, my mom lost her husband to divorce, her father to a massive heart attack, heart attack, tragically died at a young age, and she lost her home, custom home they had just designed and built, lived in less than a year. She lost it all in one month. One month. Why am I telling you this story? Fast forward and I'm 20 years old and I'm living in Dallas and I get a call from my father. Now, even up until this point in my life, I'm almost 36 now. I've only received a handful of calls from him. But he calls, I can tell he's a little inebriated, feeling a little bit good. But I can also tell that he's not completely drunk. When you've lived with an alcoholic, you you know the difference. So he starts in and the conversation turns real serious. I don't turn it there. He does. And so I took the opportunity and I asked him, I said, Dad, so where do you think your life got derailed? Where do you think that things started going really wrong? And he said, son, he said, there was a short season when I would go with your mom to church. And he said, the pastor came up to me one Sunday and he said, Marvin, he said, I feel like you're called to be an evangelist. He said, you're called to gather people for him. Why did I just tell you that? It was only a few days before I have a really good friend and mentor. His name's Elias Reyes. I'd only known him for a couple of months. He came over to my house and we were talking. He said, Marvin. And he just began to speak prophetically into my life. He said, I feel like you have this evangelist gifting on you. He said, and specifically, I feel like you're called to gather people. I never heard the words before in my life, together people. And I heard it within a few days from my father 
who had ran from his calling, had not laid hold of any of the purposes and plans on his life. And then from someone God had divinely sent to me to speak into my life and say, Marvin, you're called to be a gatherer of people. You're called to be a gatherer of people. There's all kinds of things besides alcohol, adultery, that we can find ourselves under the influence of. I want you to stand up with me tonight. There's all kinds of things. And let me tell you, as you do inventory in your life, most things might be going good. But I want to tell you this, and more importantly, the Bible tells us this. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. Wherever you are taking liberties to indulge and to be under the influence of anything but the Holy Spirit, it's wrong and it's sin. And ultimately, it might take a while, but it will derail your life. And you will not lay hold of every purpose and plan that the Lord has for you. And I don't want to see that happen. I want to see everyone in this room lay hold of every purpose and plan that God has for you life. I don't want to see you run and flee from the calling that God has on your life. I want you to embrace it. And I don't not want those things to happen because you're choosing to live under the influence of something other than being filled with the Holy Spirit. And guys, it says filled with the Holy Spirit. It says filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a quote and a saying they say in the International House of Prayer community in Kansas City. And it says this, to he who is without mixture, he will pour out beyond measure. To he who is without mixture in life, he will pour out beyond measure. That's what we're talking about, being filled with the Holy Spirit. No mixture. No indulgences. No living under the influence of anything but the Holy Spirit in our 